All right. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Did you get a chance to, uh, I don't know, enjoy last week? Uh, uh, Brad Sarian, if you were here, uh, preached an incredible message on community. Actually, uh, I listened to it once and then watched it a second time. Um, and we, uh, we, were, we were out last week, and I, I told my kids that I wanted them to watch it because there are elements of what Brad taught on last week that I thought were were pretty critical for laying a theological foundation for understanding why we would do life together. Like, why would you even go through the effort? I thought he did such a great job. If you didn't catch the message, one of the things that he talked about was how uh, specifically we do well on our own. We're very righteous when we're on our own. We're very honest and patient and kind when we're on our own. It's easy to have uh, our own space be very uh, defined and controllable, but then when somebody else enters that space, uh, a lot of those things go out the door. That's where our impatience comes out. That's where our frustration and anger comes out. That's where our jealousy and envy comes out is when those other people enter the picture. And so we kind of find ourselves in this place of, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it to step into community? And for Ahmad to share these stories, I hope you saw what was going on here. For uh, Danielle to share about rejoicing with those who rejoice. Look, when life is uh, exciting and there are good and powerful things happening in our lives, there is an increased uh, expression of joy when we get to share that with those who follow Jesus and love him and get to praise God alongside us. And then simultaneously, as the Womack shared, when somebody goes through life's difficulties and there is somebody there to weep with, it changes the game. And then as Alan just shared, along the lines of what Brad talked about last week, if we don't have people in our lives that can hold the mirror up to us and help us reflect back our own sin, it can be incredibly difficult to see when we are struggling. And like he said, not that Scott was in some big sin in that particular situation, but we need that. We, we have blind spots and we need other people. Uh, Ahmad briefly mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, if you haven't read his book, Life Together, uh, it's, an incre- it's one of my favorites on why community is a theological component to being a part of the church. Uh, he gets a little, uh, a little thick and heady sometimes because he is German, and German theologians like to do that. Um, but it is a necessary read. One of the things that he talks about in this book is that community is not for your benefit and community is not even for the benefit of others. So you don't step into Christian community so that you can have a better experience being a part of a church and you don't step into Christian community so that somebody else can have a better experience of being part of a Christian community. You step into Christian community because that's obedience to Jesus. He is glorified when we walk together in unity. He is glorified when we step out and take risks, when we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Even though we reap the benefits, it's to glorify Jesus that we would do this. So I'm going to share just a couple of things. We're actually going to look at one particular passage today just to kind of like get a little bit gritty on how we can do community as a a body. Now, there are a couple of things about this. Our particular expression here at Anthem Church of how we like to group community, we call them community groups. Uh, It's not a creative title. 11 years ago when we started the church and we said, what should we call our 
groups that are for community purposes. We came up with community groups, uh, and actually 10 bazillion other churches also call them community groups, so that was helpful. Um, but there's, they're just, they're an expression. You may have different expressions of Christian community, different places where you connect with other believers. The things that I'm going to talk about today are applicable in any context of Christian community, but I will say this. One of the most difficult expressions, especially in our modern day, is to participate in and be faithful to the community of a local church. Because the nature of church can be so transient, we, we move around more than they did back in the first century. Uh, there are more local churches in any given town than there were back in the first century. And so we find ourselves uh, in this particular situation where we can engage a local church until it's uncomfortable, and then it's oftentimes easier to move on to another local church than it is to fight through the discomfort, to fight through the disagreement, to fight through the confusion or misunderstanding, and to find reconciliation and peace and to be able to walk together in unity. And it's, it's kind of a challenge. And so one of the initial calls as we talk about this is though this can be applied in many Christian contexts where community is formed, I want to specifically work on applying these things to the local church. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to take some time and open them up. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 uh, this morning. Had a great opportunity to chat with the Grossmans who are memorizing this particular passage. Just kind of God's grace to see how uh, how God weaves things in. We just, I, I, I love it. This is a critical passage for us to understand if we're going to walk together in community and unity. So Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look specifically at verses 12 through 14. All right, so I'm going to read these. It says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, as you hear that scripture, does that kind of like resonate? Maybe that one in particular is familiar, but maybe the New Testament in general, you see words like this, and you're like, yeah, that sounds like the Bible. Like, that's a familiar concept. That's probably true if you've been reading the scriptures because this kind of instruction is scattered all throughout the New Testament. How to do life together is scattered all throughout the New Testament. We want to take some time and look at four things that Paul says in this particular section and talk through how we can actually live these out in order to be a people of community. So first off, we're going to start in verse 12, where Paul writes, and he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So you see those, those five words, or five, and one's a phrase. So those five, we'll call them all phrases, just for the ease. He says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now those sound like nice words. And they can be wonderful things to think about, and we all want them. If you remember a few weeks back, Bert Alcorn was here wrapping up First Peter, and he talks about how the world wants the kingdom without the king. 
These words are things that, in general, the world really likes right now. And they would love for the world to be defined by compassionate hearts. They would love for the world to be defined by kindness or humility or meekness or patience. Those are beautiful concepts. But obviously, without Jesus, they are ultimately uh, insignificant or they fall flat. But what these are is putting on then, as God's chosen ones, the very character of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about how we might do this. There are two battlefields that you might be experiencing right now. One is the uh, external battlefield and one is the internal battlefield. All right? The external battlefield is how you communicate and other people receive you. So the way that you live, and uh, for most of us, that's in person or on the phone where they would see our face and they would hear our voice, or it's typing things out, whether that's a text message, an email, a social media post. Those are the main places where our stuff goes out of us, and that's one area that needs sanctification is how we communicate and how other people experience us. The other area is the inner things, the thoughts the feelings, the emotions towards people that may never make their way out, those also need to be refined and sanctified. Today we're going to focus, because we're talking about community, primarily on the external ones. The self-control that we have through the Holy Spirit to actually be in community with other people, that they would experience God's grace from a communicated point of view. The internal battle That might take a different message altogether because there's a lot of stuff that needs to be refined and sanctified in the inner spaces, but we're going to start by what makes its way out of you. Now, if you're going to put on these character qualities to do life in community, there's another scripture that needs to be followed to the letter if you have any hope of somebody else experiencing God's grace through how you communicate. And that that passage is found in James chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, it says, know this, my beloved brothers, you can read beloved brothers and sisters there, that word is not specific to a gender, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Have you heard that passage before? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, if you have any hope of putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, then you first have to live out what James is talking about, that you have to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Because typically our flesh likes to come up with a little bit of a different approach to life. We're usually the opposite of what Paul is calling calling us to. Instead of compassionate hearts, we're cold-hearted and sinfully judgmental at a snap. Anybody notice that about yourself? Something happens, somebody says something, somebody posts something, somebody wears something, whatever, and the first thought that goes through your mind typically needs some huge amounts of sanctification. It's usually cold-hearted or sinfully judgmental. Okay, our flesh will naturally be harsh and unkind. Our flesh will naturally be prideful and arrogant. Our flesh will naturally be loud and brash. And our flesh will naturally be short, angry, and impatient. And so if we don't follow James's words about being quick to hear, quick to listen, and slow to speak, what usually happens when we flip that is other people experience the opposite of God's grace coming out of us. 
So if we're in a relationship, somebody says something we don't like, and we are quick to speak, maybe we were even slow to hear. We didn't take the time to understand what they were saying. We didn't take the time to actually process the words that were coming out of their mouth, and we react to something that we think or that we thought they said or even just a fleshly reaction to what they actually said. On a percentage basis, it's usually a pretty wicked thing that comes out of us or at least foolish. So if you're going to do life in community, one of the great spiritual disciplines that you can participate in is to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to anger, we'll get to that one in just a bit. Quick to hear and slow to speak. And one of the things then that you can do with Colossians 3, if you are quick to hear and slow to speak, is it gives you time to run things through the grid that Paul gives us in Colossians 3. So let's just say for a moment, somebody says something that offends you, frustrates you, makes you think something, whatever, you being slow to respond to them, slow to speak, get an opportunity to pass your response through this grid of, is it compassionate? Is it gentle? Is it humble? Is it meek? Or is it patient? If the thing that I'm about to say doesn't pass through that grid and make it to the other side, then I probably shouldn't say it. It probably should not come out of my mouth. Uh, in Life Together, again, Bonhoeffer says this about uh, a different kind of love that we have for each other. We're not just like loving each other. We have a spiritual love for each other. And he talks about it this way. He says, spiritual love, however, comes from Jesus Christ and it serves him alone. Listen to this. It knows that it has no direct access to other persons. Christ stands between me and others. So if you are going to do life in Christian community, the picture that, that Bonhoeffer gives that I think is really helpful is that we have to imagine Jesus standing between us and another person. And everything that we are going to say, we are handing to Jesus first for him to process and do what he wants to do with and then for it to make it to another person. If we bypass Jesus, that's when we do harm. And so Paul gives us this incredible instruction in Colossians 3 that he says, I want you to put on as God's holy one, chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Those are not just good words. They serve as a grid for how you might communicate God's grace to somebody else through your words, through your typing, through the external things that come out of you. Okay, so that's the first one. The second thing that he says is bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Now, just to give you an idea of what Paul's talking about when he talks about bearing with one another, uh, if you've ever been in a conversation and you're about to tell a long story, you might say uh, this little colloquialism that we have where we just say, bear with me. Or if we need somebody to be patient with us, we just say, bear with me for a minute. The idea is, I'm about to burden you. <laughs> I'm about to make you take a little bit more time with what you're trying to do, or I'm about to make you listen to something that's going to take a little bit of time for you to listen to. So just, would you bear with me for a minute? And so Paul's actually understanding the reality that we are going to engage in a burdensome life when we step into Christian community. You are, uh, if you decide to be a part of Christian community, you are 
initially accepting the reality that life is going to be more complicated, more difficult, more emotional, more drama-filled. There's going to be more of that stuff in your life, not less. Now, again, if Christian community were solely for your benefit, some of you might just say, well, cost-benefit analysis, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't think I want to do all of that work to love other people, so I would rather just be on my own and do my own thing. I love being with Jesus. I love worship music. I can listen to messages all day long. I can be on my knees in prayer for hours, but when other people come into the picture, it just gets uncomfortable. I just don't like it. I would rather not bear somebody else's burden. But Christian community is not just for our benefit. It's actually for Christ's benefit. It's out of obedience to Jesus and so that Jesus is seen most clearly in the world that we would say, yes. So Paul, knowing that that is a reality, says, all right, you're going to go into this and you're going to bear with one another. He tells the Galatians, bear with one another in love and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you choose to step into Christian community and take on the burdens of another person, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. You are obeying Jesus. When he says to love your neighbor as yourself, this is an aspect of you obeying that, of saying, okay, I will receive the burdens of another person. That's an important part of this. So let's talk about, put this into practice. If you are already in Christian community or you are deciding whether to step into it, and just so that you know, we are of the opinion that attending a church gathering on a Sunday morning if this is the entire expression of Christian community in your life, it's insufficient. That's why we put community groups together. Uh, we, we know that there is a greater expression of Christian community that is needed in every follower of Jesus' life than a Sunday morning gathering. So there's more to the story than that. So if you're going to do life in Christian community, then there are things that you can do internally to prepare yourself for bearing with one another. I'm going to give you three things that you can do. First of all is this. People are complicated, so expect complications when you do life with other people. Okay, that can be premarital counseling. That can be parental advice. That can be uh, friendship advice. But in Christian community, it is important for you to pre-expect that people are going to add complications to your story. Somebody calls you up and says, hey, you got a minute? And you don't have a minute. Somebody calls you up and just says, hey, uh, I could use some prayer, and you have zero interest in praying for them. Somebody says, hey, can I come over? I could use a friend, and you have zero interest in being a friend. People are complicated, and they need. And so if you're going to have people in your life, you have to expect that another person needs you. So don't be surprised when a person's presence in your life adds a layer of complexity. Don't be frustrated when another person's presence in your life adds a layer of effort, choose internally. Start preparing yourself to know that if I'm going to be involved in Christian community, there is going to be a sacrifice, and it is going to involve an increase on my part of output. That's important. Second thing, bearing with one another is a form of spiritual discipline. Ask the Holy Spirit for help when a person adds a particular burden to your life. So if somebody calls you up and says, hey, you have a minute, and you have no minutes, 
That's a great moment to go to the Holy Spirit and just say, I want to submit my time to you. I want to submit my energy to you. Holy Spirit, tell me how to respond to my friend right now. Those are the kinds of things that you need to be preparing beforehand to know this is a spiritual discipline. You can respond in the flesh. You can say, no, I don't have a minute. I don't have any time for you right now. Or you can process and pray with the Holy Spirit, knowing that this is to be in Christian community is not like being in a community with other people out there in the world. It's different. It's bonded together and bound together by a different presence. And so therefore, we have to submit in a different way to being a part of that community. Third thing. So first one, people are complicated, so expect complications. Second one, it's a spiritual discipline. You need the Holy Spirit if you're going to do this. Third, you are complicated as well. So ask the Spirit to show you the burden that you add to other people's lives and then express the gratitude that you have for those people carrying your burden. You are quirky, weird, complicated, drama-filled, emotional. You need time. You need energy. You need a listening ear. You need somebody praying for you. You need things. You might think that you were the lowest drama person you know. Raise your hand if you think you're the lowest drama person you know. All right? You might believe that to be true about yourself. I'm low-maintenance. I don't need a lot from other people, and my relationships with other people are extremely simple. The reality is, even if you think that to be true about yourself, it's not true, and you are a burden to other people. Now, for some people, they step back from community because they say, well, I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. That is also disobedience to Jesus. Part of our job as followers of Jesus is to bring our brokenness to the family, knowing that we carry with us a burden and allowing other people to carry that burden with us. That is actually part of the discipline of community is knowing that we bring something complicated to the table and allowing other people in to be a part of that. Anytime we talk about vulnerability or authenticity, that's what we're talking about is knowing that you bring complexity and you're allowing other people to share some of that load with you. Okay, next one. Paul says, if there is a complaint, forgiveness. Now, the next place that Paul goes is when someone has offended us, we forgive them. If there's a complaint against another person, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Now, Paul is not pointing fingers He's not saying there should be no complaints. He's not saying there should be no uh, difficulties between any other believers. He's just trying to help us understand that life in community gets complicated. And there's grace needed on both sides of humanity. First, if there's a complaint. Now, that is a big if. We tell our kids this all the time. There doesn't need to be a complaint. You don't have to be offended by these things. If you remember James's slow to anger admonition, there's part of you that because you carry the grace of Jesus, you can absorb a fair amount of offense. And you don't have to be offended by it. 
as believers, we get to go out there in the world and we can, we can be, uh, Paul calls himself the scum of the earth. He calls himself a doormat, essentially, to the kingdom of God. I don't care if people walk all over me. I want them to meet Jesus. And you may be, you know, hearing me say that and like, yeah, that doesn't sound like my MO at all. I don't want to be a doormat. I want people to know what I think. I want people to know where I stand. And Paul's looking at the situation saying, look, I want people to know Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. So I don't need to be offended when they offend me. So first off, grace on the complaint side. If there's a complaint, there doesn't need to be one. You can take those things to Jesus. But here's the rule. Let's say you decide in you that you would like to not bring that complaint to another person. Rather, you would like to absorb that complaint. Are you allowed to be bitter or resentful? No. Are you allowed to hold a grudge? No. Are you allowed to hold that person to owing you because you absorbed an offense from them? No. As Christ has forgiven you, you are basically, without somebody even coming to you and expressing any, any sorrow, any repentance, anything at all, you are saying, look, I'm going to absorb this offense. I don't, I don't need to hold any wrath towards this person. And you are releasing that completely. If you cannot release the complaint and the offense that's in you, then you bring that to a brother in Christ. And then Paul gives us the grace that's needed. If a complaint is brought against another, then it calls us to quick forgiveness. If one has a complaint against another, so if it's big enough that that offense needs to make its way out of you and towards the other person, then it calls the other person, the offender, to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There is a, a, a command on us as believers in difficult stuff to be predisposed to forgiveness. And these are attitude things that are needed in us to have a Jesus-level readiness to forgive. So for each of us to consider what it's like to be in community, you know that you're going to get offended. I'm pretty certain that I have offended you at some point in our relationship, and I'm pretty sure that you have offended each other at some point in your relationships with each other. Offenses are a part of life because we are messy people. As low maintenance as you think you are, you cannot deny your own messiness because there is none righteous, not even one. None. You're a sinner, full of flesh, temptations from the enemy, and the influences of the world, and those things are pouring into the community that you exist in, and in that, sometimes we do wicked things, and people get hurt by them. So when those people bring that to you and say, you hurt me, Paul's saying, I want you to be as quick to forgive as Jesus was to forgive you. The last thing that Paul says is he says, I want you to put on love. So he finishes in verse 14, and he says, Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
Now, that sounds like the kind of verse that you might have, uh, you know, painted nicely on a wall in your home. Uh, maybe if anybody's good at crocheting, it's good for a blanket or, a, a, you know, a, some kind of a blanket thing that you could have that you could put on the wall also. It sounds pretty. The hard part about putting on love and existing in perfect harmony is that it is the most difficult thing for us to actually live out. If we commit ourselves to Christ-centered love for each other, which is what life is in Christian community, then it has an effect that can generate genuine harmony. But if our love is anything less than Christ-centered, then it does not produce harmony. It produces disharmony or disunity. And we will struggle. And so you have an opportunity. This is Paul saying to you, put on love, meaning you have some control over this. Anytime Paul says put on, he's telling you, you have control over this particular aspect of your life and character and how other people experience you. So I want you to put on love. So I'm going to use community group as an example right now. A lot of you guys are currently in a community group. And if you were to put on love in your community group, Here are some things that might happen that would generate a love towards that other person. So these are things that you can do, you can control to put on love. Okay, so these are, again, extremely practical. I would say they have basis in the broader wisdom of scriptures. I'm not attaching them to any particular scripture, but you'll see as we get into them the significance of what it might look like to love somebody like this. So here's six things that you can do. Number one. And you can, again, you can apply this to other forms of Christian community, marriage, your kids, your friends, that's fine. For now, we're talking about community group. Number one, pray for the members of your community group by name. Okay, so the starting point of actually loving somebody with a Christ-centered love is, are you praying for them? Has anybody noticed that when you pray for somebody, it changes your attitude towards them? Anybody ever noticed that about life in general? All right, I saw one hand way out there. That was great. All right, when you pray for people, it begins the work of changing your heart towards them. It actually teaches you how to love them. Number two, rejoice for and express gratitude for the members of your community group by name. Worship the Lord for putting these people in your life by name. And thank the Lord for putting these people in your life by name. When you express gratitude to the Lord, again, it changes your perspective of who is in your life. Kids, spouse, but particularly here, community group members. Number three, this goes to what Danielle was talking about. Demonstrate your love for the members of your community group using words or gifts or acts of service or other forms of showing or demonstrating love for them. This is something that you can do to actually initiate some kind of act. I loved how Danielle said, look, if you're feeling like you need somebody to love you, one of the best things that you can do is just in that moment say, all right, I would love it if somebody did this for me, so I'm, I'm going to do this. Again, you're not hoping that they would reciprocate. You're not, you're not wishing that at the same time somebody would do that thing for you. You're just choosing that if I need it, I'm sure that somebody else does it. So I'm going to bless, and I'm going to show love. I'm going to demonstrate love 
by showing them and giving them and serving them in these ways. Number four, bless the members of your community group with words of encouragement or words from the scriptures. You have no idea. You have no idea how significant it is when you reach out to somebody and you share, hey, I was meditating on this scripture and I thought about you. Hey, I was praying through this psalm and your face came into my mind and I just wanted to bless you with this psalm. You have no idea how God uses those moments to minister to other people. But again, this is showing love to somebody in your community. Number five, now we're getting, now we're getting hard to some hard spaces. Initiate confession and repentance when your attitude towards your community group members is unloving. Initiate confession and repentance when your attitude towards your community group members when it's unloving. So let's say you have a community group, everybody's sharing, somebody says something, it's either insensitive or difficult for you to hear or frustrating or whatever, and you start to judge them, resent them, envy them, whatever that is. Initiate confession. Go to them. This is how we love. You go to them and you say, hey, my attitude towards you was sinful when you said this. You did nothing wrong. Or when you said this, it offended me, and I, I, I couldn't respond righteously, and I, I sinned. But you initiate confession and repentance. This is how we show love in community. And number six, speak honorably about the members of your community group to those outside of your community group. This is how we show love for people. You speak honorably about them. Hey, I was, I was in group with Jose, and man, he shared this thing, and it was so incredible to hear how God was processing in him that scripture. I was encouraged by it. It shaped me. It really felt like iron sharpening iron, and I'm so grateful that Jose is in my community group. Like that right there is just, it's speaking to somebody else honorably about somebody in your community group. You ever notice that the other thing actually adds to layers of being unloving? If you just say, you know, geez, man, Chris is such a time suck in our community group. I just, anytime we sit down in a group together, the guy just takes literally half an hour to talk about his week. I don't even, I don't even, I just check out after 30 seconds and it drives me crazy. I, I wake up when he's done though and I'm ready for the next thing. Sorry, Chris. Not true, by the way, of Chris Lang. I, that's, he was just my example and so... Sorry. We have a choice, and we can shape our attitude towards people in our lives by the way that we speak about them. I hope you see. Above all these, put on love. You can do something to love, and in doing that, you are, you are doing what Paul tells the Ephesians. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When you choose to put on love, you are doing your part to make love a reality in that community so that you can be bound together in harmony. What I wanted to do with this is I just, I wanted to use Colossians 3 as an example. When you take these words and break them down and start putting them into practice in your life, it can change the shape of what community looks like and how it's lived out together. And we can create harmony through the spirit binding us together. 
I'm going to bring Shannon and the team back up. We're going to close out in worship. But I want to encourage you with this. A couple of things as, as they come up here. The first thing is, if right now you are not experiencing any kind of Christian community, you're showing up, you're online, you're attending, you're, you're, you're willing to do the big gathering, but life together is not a part of your experience at this exact moment. I do want to encourage you that life together as followers of Jesus is an obedience to Jesus. It's not an if we want to kind of thing. Now, it could take time. Maybe you just moved into town. Uh, you're still kind of getting to know the lay of the land. There's, there's grace. I'm not saying it's a, it's a law that within eight seconds you need to be in some kind of deep and intimate Christian community. But all of us at all times should be moving towards that with the community that God has placed us in. So if that's not a part of your life, and I'll even go so far as to say, within the expression of the local church that you are a part of, then that should be something that you are taking steps towards as a follower of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that, to take the initiative to move towards life and community. The second thing is this. If you have been burned or broken by Christian community, and as a result, you are now keeping your distance, I understand the difficulty that gets generated in these kinds of circumstances. And there's a choice that you have to make. I once read of a theologian that wrote commentaries on, I think, almost every book of the Bible. Faithful theologian, never landed in a local church, ever. Because ultimately he found that there was no local church that expressed fully the love of Jesus. And the reality is you could live an isolated, alienated life or in Christ, you could take that step of faith and say, yes, I've been wounded. Yes, I've been betrayed. Yes, I've been hurt. But Jesus, I want to honor you with my life and I want to press in, not run away. We see this in Jesus. He was betrayed, but he continued to run towards us. He didn't run away from us. He runs towards us. We have an opportunity to do life together in obedience to Jesus. And even if there have been difficult things in our life, we need to press in out of obedience to him. And so I want to encourage you towards that. If you need help with that, encouragement towards that, counseling towards that, that's available, again, in the broader body of Christ. Ahmad and Ashley are fantastic at just walking through some of those tender moments and what it's like to actually trust again and would love to love the opportunity to talk to you about that. We're going to respond to Jesus in worship. We do this in a few ways. We're going to sing. We're going to celebrate the name of Jesus. Uh, we take offering. We have buckets available for that. We love to live generously and, and carry just the, the heart of Jesus into the world through generosity. Uh, we have a prayer team that would love to minister to you and encourage you this morning. Uh, and then I'll come back up to close us out in communion in, in a few minutes. So let's stand together and let's respond in worship.